recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Rene Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it on. Bing, bing, bing. Renee, we're back. We are back. Three weeks in a row, we are on a roll. Nobody's stopping us now. Ain't no stopping us now. I got to it first. You did. <laughs> How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Um, yourself? I'm all right. So I'm very happy. Uh, um, right, you you mentioned before the podcast, but um, we we competed in um, our academy competed in Ultimate Sanda, which is um, kind of like MMA, but there's a time limit on the ground. Mm-hmm. And we had two competitors, and one took the uh, USMAC uh, uh, US Open National Championship. So who was that? Good. His name is Travis. Travis. And he's one of our one of our students, and he he's been training mostly grappling, but he he started striking about. Uh, a year and a half ago. Congratulations, ago. Travis. Yeah, yeah, he did really well. And it was just, he was really nervous. Uh, but that's why we did it, to just, you know, get active. Our other student, who was amazing, unfortunately, he got poked in the eye. Um, mm-hmm. So he, had to, he, he won his first fight, but he had to step out. But I'm um, very proud of those guys. And they, they stepped up, and they did amazing. And um, I'm just really proud of them. And then uh, we have some guys fighting uh, MMA coming up as well. How's G doing? You got a fight G coming? Is, yeah, he does on November 10th. And, okay. uh, and another guy from our academy named Yorick, who is also a Professor Ken student, so it's our a joint thing as well, Who and he's pretty amazing. And um, just really active. And there's some submission grappling tournaments coming up. So, you know, the academy is rocking and rolling and yeah. doing well, and we're having fun, and it's just great. That's amazing. But, must be um, very proud. Yeah, no, no, it's I am, but you know, and and honestly, I I say to all my students, and I really mean this, and I I think this goes out to everybody out there. It's when you compete, of course, you want to go and you want to win, but it's more about being active and being part of the process. And one, this is one thing that I always struggle with: one single tournament does not matter in the long scheme of things. It's the process of consistently competing and bettering yourself. And so, you win and you learn. You don't really lose, even if you got blown away. If you learn from that loss, and it's this adage that everybody says, and it was like, yeah, whatever. And you know, the other people are like, yeah, second place is the first loser. You know, like, you know, you're not first, you're last. Yeah, you're last, right? You know, like, but you have to think of it as your as your martial journey over time. And um, whenever I used to do judo tournaments, I would get extremely nervous. Like this was this one tournament was an arbiter of myself as a martial artist and all the work that I had put in right on that moment, everything on the line, I'm either a winner or a freaking loser. Mm. That is terrible. And you cannot – the pressure is too high. You know, like you, you can't think like that. And that's why very often in the beginning of my career, I just get too overcome with the nerves and uh, would not do well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to see each tournament just like the way you see each meal. You know, every meal is to be healthy and grow. And if it's a healthy, good meal, that's great. Um, if it's, you know, uh, something that helps you get through the day and get further. And each time, maybe you, maybe eat a bad meal. Okay, hmm, I shouldn't eat that again. Okay, let's, you know, but I'm not going to stop eating. You know, also I'm not going to, you know, you have to see it as a process. And that, mm-hmm. that's very, very important. Um, I think that's true in life. And, and we, we, yeah. we celebrate successes so much. Um, and in my academy, I'm, you know, I'm very proud of these guys, but, uh, you know, they won and everything, but, you know, there's also students that I've had who went into a tournament and lost and that's totally fine. And then if you see, if I always find that if I focus on the winners too much, then it, and then my students feel like, oh, well, I got to win. 
No, 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 no. You know, you have to learn. Yeah. And and that's it. So put that on a shirt. Yeah, you're not the win. You have to learn. Right, right. And and one thing I was very very proud of is is one of my students um, did very well in the tournament recently, but you know he was not happy with his performance. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting down trying to celebrate. And what he and my wife were doing was going over the video of of the tournament and show, seeing what they did wrong. And I was like, that's it. That's exactly what you win or lose. You look at the tape. And you use it as a method of improvement. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the tournament is just one more day in training, particularly for the guys who are not pro. You know, it's like um, when you're pro, and Conor McGregor's trainer was just on Joe Rogan who's talking about this. He's like, the name of the game is to make money. And um, I think that's, that's true for a lot of people, not everybody, but I understand. But the, 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 the pro is starting to matter, you know. You know, like you don't want to have a career that's too long. You, you want to make sure that you have – no brain trauma, and and once you go pro, there's there's different concerns. But in the amateur level, um, in the competitive sports arena, in, in terms that's not MMA, like you know, sport grappling or this ultimate sanda or um, whatever, whatever kickboxing, whatever it is, you know, really, it's it's just another day to improve your technique and test yourself. And you know, we were we were talking. Remember, we were talking about with Jilson with dojo storming, you know, mm-hmm. and, and all that had drama. You know, in the the, the the Brazil when they they came in, the, the Gracies invaded this or this invaded Gracie, and you know, dojo storming was a, a legitimate thing in Japan as well. You know, called dojo yaburi, and it was also China, and you had to do these things. So, so you know, Jilson was saying that the the Gracies were not always so cool and this and that. And I, I understand that, but you know, back in the day, there were no tournaments. There was no way to mm-hmm. test yourself against someone else. It's not like today. So you had to go to the dojo in the next town over because it was the only way to learn. So, okay, you're a dojo storming. But at the end of the day, you had to find a new way to test your technique because if you didn't, you would stagnate or you wouldn't understand what the flaws were. And 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 so – you know, there's a there's a, a concept of oh, dojo storming in, in in martial arts. It's like, oh, you know, they came to my dojo and they and and I I've actually been challenged in my academy. I actually that happened to me. You know, people come and, and challenge me. It's not a fun thing. It is not fun to be on the I can't side. Imagine. <laughs> no, it, it in happened. Manhattan, just walk in and be like, no, it wasn't Manhattan. It was actually you. in Queens at the time. But uh, I was oh. teaching out of a small Queens, and <laughs> and and it happened to me. I'll, I'll tell the story if you want. But but you know, like it is not fun to be on the receiving end. Oh. Of of a challenge because you know it, it becomes a, it becomes a fight, yes. and you know you're just just hanging out eating your noodles or whatever, teaching a class, you know, doing some book work, and then some guy comes and is like, I want to kick your ass. Nobody likes that, <laughs> but at the same time, when you're dealing with a different generation, not today, but you know, it was the Gracies in the 1980s. You know, the Gracies had some tournaments, but the, back then the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu tournaments were very small, and it was just in the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu community. You know. MMA was was not, you know, something that you saw on TV every Friday night or Saturday night. Like now, now there's like MMA every weekend. There's so yeah. many places to fight, so many promoters. You never have to do that because you can always test your skill. And if it's not MMA, it's like grappling tournaments and this and that. And you can go out and, and train with people you never trained with before and and not stagnate. But back in the day, that was not the case. So, you know, sometimes people would show up your door and they'd be like, show me what you got. And you probably couldn't just – tried to train at another academy, they'd probably think you were a, a mole. Yeah, it doesn't work like that, particularly in Asia. You mm. know, you're you're and in, in Brazil too, you know, if you if you switched academies you'd be Crianche 
and and you know which was a traitor, the Brazilian word for traitor, and uh, and um, in Japan loyalty is is important. And you know I'm not saying the answer is to train a different style. You know the answer is to just test yourself what you know and and adapt it to that opponent. Mm-hmm. And also if you train in that academy, eventually you know what happened. You get used to the guys in that academy, and then you'd have to go do the same thing somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, and and Miyamoto Musashi was who's who's the you know who Musashi is mm-hmm. right the famous swordsman. This guy is lauded as the the icon of martial arts. You know, this is the man. Well, what did he do? He went across Japan and challenged people all over Japan. Yeah. So, but he's not an asshole. You know. Well, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> Sasaki Kojiro. You know, was like, I hate him. You but know, he didn't Sasaki. go to somebody's academy and challenge. Like, oh, oh yeah, he did. did. He? Oh, oh he yeah, did. he all did. Right. <laughs> asshole. Yeah, and uh, and and you know, it's it's just uh, it's it's the name of the game that that's okay. uh, you you show up. And now there's two ways to do it. Yeah, with mm. dojo yaburi or dojo story. There's two ways to do it. There's two ways. There's the cool way and the not cool way. And I've been I've been on the receiving end of both. The cool way is you show up and you say, Professor Matt, um, I'm from a different style. I've heard that your Matt style martial arts is really good. And um, you know, I'd like to kind of work and see how it goes up against what I do, you know, just for testing. I, I respect your art, I respect you, I just want to see if we could have some sort of, you know, kind of sparring and, and see, you know, what happens. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure he'd be like, okay, that's yeah. cool. Let me put you up against this guy over here and, and we'll see what happens. And, mm-hmm. and Professor Ken had a recent example. He told me there was an instructor from another style and wanted to come and try MMA. And uh, that style was uh, like a Krav Maga type combative style. And he said, hey, I want to like kind of see what I have in the MMA realm. And... Um, you know, it didn't work out so well for him, but but as I understand the story, but um, but you know, it was got to give the guy a lot of credit to do that. And and we talked about um, Rokas. He's the guy who has a, a YouTube channel where he did the same thing, and he's an Aikido guy, and he really wanted to see if his Aikido worked. And he went to an MMA school, and he said, "Hey, respectfully, very respectfully, said, hey, I would like to see wh- how Aikido stands up against MMA." And you see what, what's going on here. And, of course, he got the snot kicked out of him. <laughs> but he was very respectful. And the MMA guy didn't try to hurt him or anything. And that's a really cool way to do it yeah. where you're like, hey, it's not really doja storming. It's like let's, you know, let's, let's exchange technique and – but really spar, you know, mm-hmm. not like let's play around, you know. Yeah. Now, the other way to do it is Matt, I heard you something. You know, I heard well, you style something. Me, yeah. yeah. But you know what? I can kick your fucking ass. I'm going to show you right now. <laughs> oh, your style is shit, Matt. Yeah. You're rolling around like a bunch of, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I won't finish that sentence, but for the guys in the Jiu-Jitsu community, we know what they say. You know, it becomes very homophobic, um, which, you know, is like problematic. And uh, But you're like, oh, you, your style sucks. I'll just punch you in the face. But okay, let's go. Yeah. Now I'm looking to hurt you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> nobody likes that. That sucks. Yeah. Or, you know <laughs> – <laughs> and and being on the receiving end of both styles times, uh, it was it, it both they're totally different experiences. Yeah. And, but even still, even the friendly one, it the tension does ratchet up, you know. Sure. Um, now in Japan, in the judo world, they have what's called um, uh, a traveling. So you contact dojos, like you said, and for a short period of time, you stay at that dojo for like a couple weeks. 
And then you move on to another dojo, another dojo, That's another dojo. Idea. It's called Degeko. Yeah. And you travel, traveling training. And that that is cool because it's like, hey, I'm going to be part of this academy for two weeks. I'm going to respect your 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 um, your traditions. I'm going to train here and everybody's going to get to know me and we're going to spar. And after about two weeks or three weeks, I'm going to go on to another place. Uh, but everything, I'm going to be respectful. And degeko is is very common in judo. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the judo world, everybody does that. Um, and and actually, it's become such a thing that in the judo world, when you are some another academy and you drop into another judo school, they're like, "Hey, welcome, come on!" It's another guy visiting us. There's no tr- no um, tension other than you know, like, "Oh man, this guy's from outside." You know, they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, we're all one big judo family because we That's so nice. travel." So much in the judo world, everybody travels so much that it's just a thing, and everybody's friendly. And you know, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu world is starting to be like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was never like that in the beginning. It was like, oh, even in the Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu world, like, oh, you're from Carlson style. I'm, you know, Bob. Okay, well now it's a pohada. You know, it's a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you become here, yeah, but and I had a friend. Um, um, he's Brazilian. I won't say his name. But he is a really nice guy. He's here in New York um, doing studying, and he trained under um, – I won't say – because if I say, they'll figure it out. But um, he trained under one of the uh, Gracie family and more more traditional Gracie style. And, um, and he's actually very good. He's very well trained. But his rank is low because he always took time off for school and things like that. And he dropped into another academy that was from a different offshoot, and he was – Rolling very nicely and being very respectful, and but because he was from another academy, this is years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and he did a move on the instructor that worked, not a submission, just an escape. Then the instructor got pissed because he felt like he made him look bad. But the kid was pretty good, you know. Actually, he did the same move on me. I'll be honest, he did the same move on me. I'm like, I'm like, what rank are you again? <laughs> like, that was really good. He'd been training a long time. He just yeah. hadn't been ranked up because he would stop for a while and go to school and you know things like that. Mm-hmm. So then the instructor proceeded to hurt him, like like not just train him, but like really, really freaking hurt him. Wow. And uh, and uh, and it's a famous guy. I, I won't say names, but that that's on the other side too. Because even when someone's visiting in a jiu-jitsu school, there there's there's some tension. Um, but it's more and more the jiu-jitsu world is becoming like the judo world, where it's like, hey, you're welcome. We're all one big happy family. Um, but it was not like that mm. in the beginning. It was not. And if you were from a different style and you walked into a jiu-jitsu academy, you know, 30 years ago. Oh my God! You know, oh, oh, you think you're a tough guy? You know, Jilson <laughs> talked about that. You think you're a tough guy? We're going to show you what real martial arts is. You know, wow. so the tension always comes up when when you're visiting another school. Um, so, uh, and I would say to people who do visit other schools, you know, a, a lot of my students do that. They visit other schools uh, when they travel because I have a number of students who who they're consultants or they have businesses where they have to travel. You know, they they have jobs, and I said, oh, when you're in Salt Lake City, look this this go. When you're in California, look this gym up. But I'm like. Make sure you're very respectful. Don't try to tap people too much. Be careful. <laughs> don't you know, be too good. Yeah, don't be too good. You know, um, just just protect yourself. Have a good role. Get a good time and be respectful. Do you have you a know? list of uh, academies that you tell them to stay away from? And what are the yes. names of them? No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's certain. Each city is different. But I'm like, don't go to this one because yeah. this one it. This one, it's. I mean, you could go there, but it's going to be war, <laughs> and they're going to freaking try to hurt you, and yeah. that's that. And um, in my academy, if someone visits. I always say if they have a good attitude, we'll give them really good work. But at the same time, uh, we're never going to try to hurt them. Um, if, we'll give them good work though. So, you know, 
people respect us, but at the same time, we don't hurt them. But we give them good work too, you know, um, if they're good. And they, we have sometimes people visit and they're, they're not really that good. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just teach them. But I'm talking about people who visit. Most of the people who come sure. and visit my academy are, are you know, pro bomb route or pro fighters or amateur fighters. And they're pretty good. So, you know, um, you give them good work and you make them respect our academy, and, but, you know, never hurt them. That's, we never do that. Mm-hmm. And even if they have a bad attitude, we never, I never hurt them. Just, just put them unconscious or something. You, know? mm-hmm. like, you don't have to hurt them. Leave, um, leave the knife in the, in the locker room. I know, you know, you, you, we were training with that yesterday, the shock knife yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was really, it was really, really. You know, great. one of the one of the Gracies uh, liked our our post on Instagram. No kidding, which one? Me. You know, let me double check. I can't remember their name off the top of my head. Um, but it's one in, in New York. Oh, Henzo Gracie? No, it's not one of the. That, that's a name I'd remember. Hmm. Hang on. Good radio. Hold on. <laughs> Hang on. Yes, anyway, but as yeah. you look that up, I'll tell, like if you want, I could tell you the story of. Yes, you please. seem very interested. Okay, so, so um, I was teaching a student who, uh, and this is a long time ago. This is already over over twenty years ago. Um, so and that's yeah yeah no it's like about twenty years ago. It's, it's about a little less than twenty years ago. So I was teaching out of my old karate school in Queens, and um, I would. Uh, teach a, a basic grappling class and it was mostly focused on judo because at that time I was not so ranked in Brazilian jiu-jitsu I was just kind of starting Igor oh Igor Gracie yeah he's one of he's a teacher at the uh, Henzo Academy um, but um, uh, you know I had two I'll tell you the nice one these people came by and they were reality based self-defense and reality based self-defense is a combative offshoot where they're like let's learn like Kim to- Kardashian uh, self-defense <laughs> Reality show. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you bump him with your butt. <laughs> <laughs> That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Um, but um, but they came and they're like, you know, we've heard, you know, we understand that grappling's important, and they were very respectful. And you know, then they, they came in and rolled, and it was great. And then they became my students. And so this, this, is the, were, this is people coming into your academy. And, yeah. An invasion, but yeah, not but an invasion. Not an invasion. A they friendly were very, very visit. polite people, and they did it exactly like I said, the polite way. Okay. And they came in and they said, "Look, we really, I don't know if what you're teaching is going to work. I, I would, they know, like I think that it kind of wouldn't. But I'm not disrespecting you, and they were very. But we, we have this concept of eye gouging, and and um, you know, biting, and we think that would stop your judo and your jiu-jitsu. Hmm. And I said, no, it wouldn't. And you're like, oh, really? Yeah, like, and I'll show you how we f- f- do this. So what we did was put on goggles and um, like swimming goggles. And I said, if you can pucker the goggle, that's like an eye gouge. If you can put your teeth to soft tissue, like near my face or something, and, and you count to three, that'll be a bite. And any, if you can get me in any of those, and if you can punch me in the balls, you just punch me in the balls, right? You know, that's it. Sure. And uh, and if you can if you can stop what we do with those moves, do it. And the thing is, I've always trained my grappling, not always, but when I, ta- when I was on my own, not in other people's schools, but when I was on my own in my own academy, I always trained for reality. And also, I had some wonderful instructors uh, um, in Brazil who also trained me very, very much for reality, for people who want to do dirty tactics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we trained, and then they became my students. Because they saw that it still worked, and they they are training not so much with me anymore because they live really far deep in Long Island now, but they're great guys, and uh, sometimes they come in and visit when they can, and just 
fantastic uh, positivity with them. Great guys. Awesome. Yeah. Now, that was the good one. Mm. The bad one. Yeah. This Name is names. Really... I want to hear names. You know, I don't remember the names. It's so long ago. But okay, but I remember. Okay, I remember the style. It was seven animal kung fu. Never heard of it. Is that like from Kung Fu Panda, where each one of the different animals is a different style? I don't know. I, I yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds it's like right. a grasshopper yeah, 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 and a tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but but it's it's a. He's winking. I don't you know, know what that should, means. You should you should look it up. It's like seven animal kung fu, and it's supposed to be like some kind of like hybrid kung fu style. And one of the people I was training, he was in the kung fu world, and he had told some people that, oh, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and judo, man, that's so powerful. And they drew the ire of these people. So um, guy comes in, and I'm teaching. And that time I was only teaching really on Saturdays and Sundays, and I would, it would be a long class, right? It was a Sunday class. There was nobody in the academy. And it was like um, we were training for about three hours, and we're really training hard. And the guy comes in, and he sits down towards the end of the class, which is like sparring. And then after class, he do something, which actually I should start doing more. But like we would do a kind of a post-mortem like, okay, what happened? And this – how did you get tapped? Okay, so let's talk about that and figure out how to stop it. Right, and we'd have this like kind of post mortem discussion, you mm-hmm. know, because it was a small class. I could do that now. At my academy, it's much harder. But, but um, so yeah, I'm explaining what to do, and the guy's sitting there, and he's big steroid guy. I don't know steroids, but he was a big guy, mm-hmm. right? And um, and he, I hear him in the back going, really, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I just do this, you know. And I'm hitting, and I can hear him. All my students can hear him too, right? And I'm here, and I'm listening. I'm like, I'm not happy. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I, I back then I had to pay a well of patience that was much larger than I do now. Oh, wow. And you know, I was, I was, I was. It was quite a big, deep bucket of patience, which has since petered out to like a <laughs> like very little, <laughs> a little tiny puddle. <laughs> That's wow. left, but that though that bite was patient. So he's we're talking, and this is about a half an hour of training, and we go back to sparring in here, and he's like, oh, man, this is stupid. Yeah, like all these comments, right? And um, then we finish and we bow out, and and um, you know the in the owner of that academy um, was actually at the desk, did doing some paperwork. And normally, you know, like when you're the owner, you know, you, you're fearing lawsuits and things like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that. And so I would not fight him. It was not my academy, you know, and um, I would not fight him. <laughs> and, and then but I was so angry. And I, I, said, I said to the guy, oh, um, yeah, you seem to have some uh, issues with my technique. And, and he's like, yeah, this never work. And I'm like, oh, you think so? And he's like, yeah, I know so. And I'm like, really? And then. The instructor, the owner of the academy, Mr. Miyazaki, goes, he just gives me a nod and then he walks out and closes the door and he oh. goes home. <laughs> and he's like – and I'm like, OK. I got the nod. <laughs> and and uh, and uh, he went home. And then, and then I'm like, well, if you're so certain that it's not going to work, you should be able to put your, you know, your mouth – money where your mouth is. And he's like, he's like, yeah. OK. Let's fight. And so he drops his bag. He gets on the mat with his freaking kung fu shoes. And I'm like, can you take your kung fu, kung fu shoes off? Because they were dirty. He was like walking around in like the shoes on the, off the mats. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an off mat. And I was like, no, he's like, I trained in my kung fu shoes. I'm like, 
okay, he's going to train as a Kung Fu shoes. And then, so, and I, I don't want to tell the story to sound like I'm such a badass. Let me, let me phrase this that I, I'm pretty good at what I do, but there's so many people so much better than me. And there are people who I, I, you know, even at my best, which I'm not at right now, but at my best, at my peak, I could never even come close to. So I don't want to sound like I'm self-aggrandizing, you know. But this is what happened. So the guy squares up with me and square up. I shoot him. I take him down. I get him an armor. And the guy's like, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> do over. Yeah, do over. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yes. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and because back then, also back then, my my technique, I was much more an armbar guy back then. But anyway, um, so I'm like, okay, are you ready? <laughs> are you ready now? Count to ten. Yeah, count to ten. Are you ready now? He's like, I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay, and I shoot him down. I take him out. And I ta- I just give him the biggest. Like my coach Marcos taught me, Marcos Marcos Santos, my gold jiu-jitsu coach. You guys are giving the biggest freaking Brazilian jiu-jitsu slap, to him, pop, pop, right in his face. I slap him, boom! He gives up back, and I tap him out, right. And I'm like, get up! I drag him up. He's wearing this like kind of kung fu uniform kind of thing, right? Not not the traditional uniform, but he had this thing on it. And he was wearing like a like a thick T-shirt, right? And um, I drag him up. I'm like, let's go again, boom! And then I take him down again. I pick him up and slam him, big judo slam, and I tap him again. And I tapped him seven times, one for each animal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that one again, that one sound like I was like so great um, because this guy was not good at all. He's not good at all. So there, this is not a self-aggrandizing story, but it was a story of a big douchebag coming into my academy and you know not being wow. respectful. And then you know I put him unconscious and I I put him outside. And with all the stuff and threw stuff down the stairs and put him outside and then we went home and clocked the door because <laughs> the last one I put him unconscious and I really oh put him unconscious like really and he was sitting on the stairs and then dude it was that it was that it was that he Came woke up. up an hour later yeah you better not mess with me <laughs> yeah no you know he woke up probably probably as we were putting him on the stairs but oh he was God. all woozy and uh, but I did not hurt him but like my jiu-jitsu instructor at the time who's the old school Marcus he's like what you 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 didn't hurt him what is wrong with you. You know, you, you give him something to remember you by for the rest of your life. And he told me to do some other things, which I will not say on air. He's like, it's uh, when you invade a, <laughs> I'll say, when you invade an academy in uh, Brazil, according to him, if you really lose, you sometimes get sodomized by a carrot. <laughs> right. And like, like, I you know I just, I don't know but you know just to because it's you know again that culture of Brazil where it's like you 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 so he's like he was telling me yeah you know this is what you do when they come here I'm like I'm never gonna do that <laughs> but you know it's serious business wow. and so uh, do you have carrots in the fridge I did not have now? carrots in the fridge I would never do that <laughs> and you know you know I'm so afraid of lawsuits that we get we get so many guys come in so many guys come in in the afternoon like yo I want to be a fighter I want to fight I'm yo I want to fight we got this crazy person the other day and I'm like all I can think of I look at them I see potential lawsuit so all I see <laughs> yeah, I'm like no Frame of yeah, mind, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're the owner, it's totally different. You're like, no, you know. But yeah, there's a part of me that was like, go fucking fight G right now, motherfucker. Yeah, or <laughs> not even G. Like, you know, uh-huh. I like Heriberto, my my student. I call him Tokage, right? Like, you go fight him. And and there's a couple times we had some intro lessons where yeah. people were attitudey, and you know, so they actually maybe want to do a lesson. And the attitudey, I'm like, I just give a nod to one of my students, and and we would never hurt anybody. We, that is our rule. I will never ever hurt someone. But if they're being a jerk, you know. It's like uh, Batman Begins, the first scene of Batman Begins, it's like, they're practice. 
You know, it's practice time. <laughs> it's like real practice. So that's kind of my mentality. Oh they my become gosh. practice. I and, just I have a picture yeah. in my head of some guy walking around Brazil in like the 1980s with a bag of carrots going to jiu-jitsu academies <laughs> and losing on purpose. <laughs> I don't think you'd have to look for that. Although, although, you know, in the in the um, this is this is a kind of a weird tangent of the topic, but um, in that world of masochism, a lot of people are hiring jujitsu practitioners or MMA practitioners, um, particularly female practitioners, to to you know beat them up as a masochistic thing. It's weird, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's a big it's a weird subculture, and mm-hmm. it's. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even really know what to think about it. Um, there was, was someone the new I really... Fifty Shades of Grey called Seven Styles of Kung Fu. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Fifty Shades of Chokeout. Oh <laughs> no, but it's uh, we live in a very very bizarre world. So, so you'd be surprised that, that your carrot joke is funny. But people hire, particularly you know, female MMA and, and jiu-jitsu practitioners to to dominate them. And uh, I don't know what I think about that. I mean. I, I feel that it's like a perversion of the art, and I it disgusts me. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I don't, yeah. I, I guess I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. I, I don't like it. Get your money, honey. Get your money, honey. Right? Exactly. Right? Somebody's gonna pay you for I it. I know. I know. It's not really. I don't know. I but don't it's know. really. That's it's yeah. I knew my friend's girlfriend was was doing that at one point, um, and that's why he found out, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I, I can't be with you anymore." You know, like mm-hmm. we can't. I yeah, and that's one of the reasons he broke up with her. Interesting. Yeah, uh, that was a long time ago, though. But you know, but then also again, this is the great thing about MMA is that was the world where MMA was not paying. Now, if you're an MMA fighter, you can make a good amount of money. Now, mm-hmm. you don't at the lower level. You don't make what Conor McGregor's make, but your journeyman MMA guy makes way more than your journeyman boxers, generally. You know, mm-hmm. like journeyman boxers, you know, sometimes like 500 a fight or something like that. You know, as a, as a, as a pro, you know, at, 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 when you reach a certain amount of notoriety and wins, you know, you're, you you probably get a couple thousand a fight, something like that. And um, I, it depends on the tournament, um, but, you know, the level. But um, but you can make a you can make a somewhat of a living. You like you can get paid for what you do, mm-hmm. and particularly if you make the big show, you know your basic pay at DFC at the lower level is five thousand a fight. So you fight, you know, you know, say you fight five times a year. Um, that's that's not great money, but you're not starving, you know. And combined with privates and private instruction and things like that, you know, hopefully you can you can make things work. Now, the lower level being a lower level fighter is very very hard. But also being a low-level football player, being a low-level basketball player, they're all very difficult if you're not the Michael Jordans of the world in the first pick. So that's true with all, all making your life in sports. Mm-hmm. And um, you got to work your way up. And, you got to work your way up. Get, you know, Go through a couple carrots before you get better, <laughs> and then you'll, then you'll be at the next level. <laughs> you'll be at the next level. Um, you know, um, but, yeah, so those are my two, my two dojo storming stories. Have you ever gone into another one? Have you ever gone into a dojo? And oh, all the been time, the but no, no, never, never storm. But okay. I've I've traveled the world and trained yeah. in many dojos. But again, this was my I and my first my first travel was actually to China. So that was before I was living in Japan. I took a trip to Hong Kong and I went and explored some of the traditional kung fu dojos, mostly as a researcher, you know. But then I moved to Japan and I went to many, many, many dojos in Japan, um, many dojos. And sometimes, again, as a researcher, sometimes as a participant, because there are certain places where I just didn't want one to train. I just wanted to go to see how fucking bad they were. Hmm. And they were bad. Oh. And um, one of them is the Ninja Academy, the Hatsumi Ninja Academy. And it's just 
you can't you actually can't watch it because he charges you like 500 bucks if you want to watch and it is but uh, it's absolutely it's just ridiculous and terrible and um the reason i went i didn't actually uh, go but i had a friend who couldn't afford the tuition there but had already spent like $15,000 and uh, that he went to train the Kodokan and then we beat the snot out of him and the Kodokan was like five bucks a month you know so then I wanted to figure out what was going on in that academy but they wouldn't let me actually in um, but you know I got a hold of some footage and things like that and then and you could just see it was just terrible and also I was at a seminar of his that was where I really met him. It, it was a seminar, and it was ridiculous. Um, so it was ridiculousness. So even in Japan, there's, there's charlatans. And, and Japan and China, they're, they're just people who are ridiculous. But then there are other academies I went to um, that were absolutely monster, monster places where I was just – forget about storming. I was just doing my best to survive. I was just uh, – the, the, one of them is the police academy um, for judo. It's just, it's just so hardcore. And the, um, I like police academy three. <laughs> no, the Japanese have have two, a few police academies: the Imperial Police Academy and the regular police academy, the Keishicho, and they have judo dojos. And um, I was I was um, very lucky enough to be um, to to be able to train with these people, and um, and I just was trying to survive. It was just mm-hmm. there was no door storming there. There was like <laughs> there was like watch out for the carrot. <laughs> no, 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 there was like, Japan's not like that. And they, and they were very friendly and they were taking care of me. But I was I was just. Uh, yeah, it was it was, and then I went to university judo clubs. I went to karate. I, I went to so many academies when I was living in Japan, just just seeking answers, seeking research. And then I moved down to Brazil, and I was in Brazil for a short time. I was training in California, um, also. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've trained a number of places. Um, when I was visiting, and uh, whenever I visit somewhere, I go to an academy. My my wife and I went to Seattle. And I visited Ivan Salivary's academy, which was amazing, and he was super friendly. And um, anywhere I can go, and I went to San Diego and trained with the most amazing guy, Barrett Yoshida, who is one of my idols. And that was not that was that was fan worship. That was like <laughs> <laughs> Barrett Yoshida, and 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 uh, and it was so weird because uh, he became a he became a fan of the rat guard, and so yeah. it was just this wonderful exchange of of information. Much more learned on my part than his. Um, he is all, one of my absolute heroes, and, uh, I, and so I always try to train as many academies, and I think it's a good thing to do, as long as you have a base place to go. You know, you have a base style, a base place where you. I think, you know, it, especially in the beginning part of your martial arts journey, if you're if you're training at too many places, because I have a couple students who are like that. You know, they're like, on Tuesday I train at Radical, on Wednesday I train at Church, and on Thursday I train here, and like, and they never get good. They mm. never get good, and. Um, in the beginning of your training, you should not dojo hop unless you're, you know, unless I say, you know, you're traveling for work and, and you're in Seattle or, or whatever, just, you know, one day there, but developing an understanding of your instructor's particular approach for a few years is important. After that, after like G, I, I always have G work out. Like I sent him to church street to spar. I send I send him to other places too, to work out with other people. Um, he trained with Lee, the Bellator champ, uh, Liam McGeary. And uh, just to get different looks, different – and it's all it's all like good training with pleasant – you know, like again, respectful. Mm-hmm. But to get those different looks, to do the degeko, to do the, the, the traveling training. And that's important once you're in intermediate or advanced level. In a beginner and lower intermediate, you really should just stick with your instructor as long as he's a good guy. And uh, you should not be jumping around, jumping around. You lose focus and and, and you don't really understand – what your instructor is trying to teach you. 
mm-hmm. and because uh, you haven't penetrated it, it, uh, uh, it, it, it at a level enough, that knowledge base at a level enough for you to really digest it. So that's that's my opinion on on training around and my experience and um and like I said, um, uh, most of the times I went to other academies, I was actually doing it as a research to writing my book on, on martial arts. But when I trained other other places, um, uh, I'd already been an inter- intermediate practitioner, mm-hmm. you know, especially in judo. I was an intermediate. We should do an episode where you uh, talk about how to how to find a good home. Yeah, that's like, a what great, are the yeah. things you can look for at a great. You know, we uh, could talk academy. about it right now very simply. I would say first and foremost is um, you have to have a good rapport with the instructor. Your energy and your instructor's mental energy and their attitude has to match with you. At most academies, is there uh, one main instructor and then a lot of other coaches? Yeah, or? I think so. Okay. I think so. Yeah. You know, it depends. But I would say usually there's the head instructor and then there's other coaches, you know. And the larger academies have many more coaches and the smaller academies have, you know, not so many. Mm-hmm. But, like, you look at any any academy like Team Alpha Male, it's Uri Faber. And then they have um, – they, they had um, a striking coach, you know. That's come and go, and then and they have some assistant coaches too. At, at Jackson Wink, it's Jackson and Wink. You know, like at um, AKA, it's Javier Mendez, and for uh, Jiu Jitsu, it's it's the v- Riviera, and and oh, for grappling, it's really Crazy Bob Cook. You know, those are the head guys, and then they have other people underneath. And um, and in our academy, it's me, and I have some some assistants who are amazing as well. You know, but it's, it's me, and you have to with the main guy, if the guy you're going to work with over and over and over again. You have to have a good rapport. You have to have good energy. You know, sometimes you meet people, and this happened to me. I met a student, and I'm like, you know, you should probably, you'd probably be better at this other academy because my energy and your energy just don't mix, mm. right? That doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean that at all. You know, it's just, it's just like girlfriend boyfriend thing. You know, like you meet a lot of girls every day, and not every girl you want to be your girlfriend. You know, uh, or or you know, just just different energy, different way of seeing the world, different things you're looking for. So first, I would say the energy. The second is, are your goals matched? So if you want to do MMA, you should go to an MMA school. If you want to do sport jiu-jitsu, you should go to sport jiu-jitsu school. If you want to do judo, sport judo, you should go to judo school. So you have people coming in who are legitimately awesome guys, and they say, one guy told me, he's like, I want to do judo to compete in judo. And I'm like, you should not train here <laughs> because we're doing you're doing the techniques of judo but for MMA. Mm-hmm. So we're mixing up things that are completely illegal for the sport of judo. That we don't, you know, I knee him in the stomach, I throw an elbow, and then I judo throw, you mm-hmm. know, like that. So that's the kind of thing we're doing. Uh, so there's the attitude of the instructor and your attitude, and and you, your, I mean your 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 energy. Then there's do the mat this match, and then third thing is very simple schedule and logistics. Can mm-hmm. you make it there? You know, if, you know, three four times a week, and um, and um, and and then you know, is the academy run? safely and clean and things like that. So it's a pretty simple checklist. One, you and the instructor meet in terms of em- emotional and energy and just you like him and you like being around him and you like how he how he conducts the academy and if that fits for you. Because some people like a little bit more laid back and that's that's fine. Some people like a little more intense and that's fine. But you have to find what's right for you. Then you have to find your what matches what you're looking for. You know, if you're looking for self-defense, you know, then, you know, this over here. If you're looking for sport competition, over there. If you're looking for cultural activity, you know, like wushu or something like that, then, then that's fine. You know, like, hey, I want to, you know, I had this girl come in the other day and she's like, I want to do what they do in the in the TV shows and movies. And I'm like, I don't think you should join. <laughs> you know, like, this is not for you. She's like, I want to, I want to do martial arts as an acrobatic 
cultural thing, and she was uh, Asian Asian American, and she wanted to get in touch with kind of Asian American roots, and and you know, and I said you should go to Chinatown and go to the Wushu Academy there, and she did, and she joined, and she's super happy. It's really you know? nice that you are upfront with people and and not just like hey yeah sign up for a month and see if it works. You know, it's more about the long term than the short term. Right. Well, that's how I always see it. Is martial arts is a long term journey. You mm-hmm. should nobody should enter martial arts because. You know, it's just something to do. Mm-hmm. It should be something you think about that you want to add to your life, like that's a, a long-term commitment. Even in the martial arts that are not combative, you know, like completely performance-based or whatever, it's a long-term commitment to understand what they're teaching you. You know, even something like Aikido, which is, you know, very spiritual. That's a lot of training to get good at that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Aikido obviously doesn't work in a fight, whatever, but – um uh, there are a lot of people who do Aikido and they don't care about fighting. They like it as a, as a type of meditative movement. Mm-hmm. And that's great. You know, nothing wrong with that. You know, a lot of people I know, especially Japanese Americans, do karate to get in touch or do martial arts in general to get in touch, uh, Japanese martial arts, to get in touch with their Japanese culture because they're immigrants and they, they or they're from immigrant families. They're born here maybe. And, but they want to have that link to their their their, their heritage. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fantastic. You if, know? I, if I go into an academy and they have a poster of uh, Steven Seagal on the wall, I should walk right out. No, no. you shouldn't because okay. maybe you're a Steven Seagal fan. That's true. You know, maybe you're like you just love Steven Seagal. You know, like it depends who you are. I would walk out. Right? I would run. <laughs> I would run for the hills. You know, personally. But it's it's your journey. Everybody in the dojo has a ponytail and sunglasses on. <laughs> we train the Steven Seagal style. Everybody has a ponytail. The world wonder one must grow your hair long, <laughs> you know. But this is funny. This is funny. Something about kung fu guys, though. It's not Steven Seagal, but something about kung fu guys. White kung fu guys always have a ponytail. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like it's like not always, but like one in one in three have that like mullet ponytail thing going on. It's like it's like a it's like a requirement if you're a white guy doing kung fu. You gotta have the ponytail. You have the it's sunglasses, long hair, dark yeah. sunglasses. Yeah. Um, no, no. It's like it's that like it's like that ponytail look from the seventies. Oh my god. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Do they like they do the top knot? Is that what they're trying to? No, get no, to? no, no, no. The ponytail. Uh, oh, oh. You mean like yeah? No, I I don't know what it is. I, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But it's like it's always that that guy the log with the long blonde hair with the ponytail. They almost have blonde, you know, white blonde white guys with blonde hair and a ponytail. <laughs> I can know so many of them. Don't trust a white guy with blonde hair and a ponytail. No, I'm just saying that. It's, That's what we're saying. Whatever. I'm not saying that. Renee approves. <laughs> All right, we got to wrap it up. Right. The, uh, this so, is actually episode 30 of 30? the podcast. Wow. And uh, next week we'll be back to talk about UFC 230. And do a full breakdown of all the fights. That'll be awesome. That'll be next weekend. Uh, we'll be back next Monday to do the full thing. Um, any parting words? You got a book with you? You want to want to give a no, little? No, no. we would say that for save that for time. another yeah, day. Yeah, well, yeah. we're not going to tell yeah. you what that book is. No, poop it's on secret, you. Secret, secret. Um, put the carrots away. I did not challenge you. <laughs> uh, did not happen this time. <laughs> but maybe next time, stick around and see if the carrot bag comes back. <laughs> Uh, You're not gonna let this go. Are you? I'm not, no, I should not great, have mentioned it's a great it on air. Resource. You know, I should not have mentioned it on air. No. You know, and I'm gonna be in trouble for this. <laughs> <laughs> for Christmas, I'm gonna get you a bag of carrots. It's a baby carrot, so it'll be nice. <laughs> it'll be better. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with a full breakdown of UFC 230 uh, for Coach Renee. Yeah, it'd be something to look forward to. And we'll also talk about the fight night. Yes, there's a fight this weekend, the fight night, UFC fight night. All right. Thanks for listening. Share, subscribe, rate, review. 
You know the drill. We'll see you next time. See you next.